Business School. Welcome to the Business School podcast, where you will learn how the world of business is being redefined. My name is Amanda Downey. I'm an editorial strategist with IBM with a focus on blogs and podcasts. So today I'm especially happy to be joined by Tom Webster, who is a partner at Sounds Profitable. Tom, welcome. Please tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and where you've come from. Thank you, Amanda. So I started out really as a media researcher, and I've, I've been a media researcher in radio, television, new media for more than 25 years, including about 19 years studying podcasting. I first added podcasting to my previous company, Edison Research, that does a, a, an annual study every year called The Infinite Dial. And I first added podcasting to The Infinite Dial back in 2006, and it was really kind of the first tracking of that very nascent experimental space. But it's a space that I love. So just, you know, I've worked in multiple studies over the years at the Infinite Dial, the podcast consumer, share of year. Uh, but last year I broke off and uh, joined Brian Barletta at Sounds Profitable just to focus solely on podcasting because it's uh, A, a thing that we both believe in very much and, and B, it, it needs some additional love, I think, in terms of research insights and advocacy to really, I think, cross the, the plane into more mainstream usage. I love that. And I can certainly vouch for the need for that research. So speaking of that, you, you said you've recently moved over this. I know you were recently involved in a survey around podcasting and audio content and even ads and how those reach different audiences using the different platforms of audio content. Can you talk a little bit about those findings and what takeaways you have? Yeah, the most recent study that we did at Sounds Profitable was called The Medium Moves the Message. And it was the first real look at a comparative view of how advertising is a, you know, the efficacy of advertising, the receptivity of advertising across three platforms. And we looked at podcasting, we looked at broadcast AM, FM radio, and we looked at network and cable television. And the reason why we looked at those three together is because they're all in the same game, really. They're all in the 30 to 60 second spot to grab a consumer's attention kind of game. So we didn't, in this particular project, we didn't look at things like YouTube, which of course is the, you know, five minutes and then skip ad. And then uh, we didn't look at display and, and things like that. So we'll do that in, in future studies, but kind of apples to apples here, these three media platforms, two legacy, one more modern are kind of in the same game in terms of the, of the spot advertising game. And there really hasn't been work like this done before. So to keep it apples to apples and remove as many variables as we could, we asked certainly a number of general questions about the efficacy of these three platforms with a little over 2,000 Americans, 18 plus. And we also looked at some standard brand metrics around a series of brands that were the top five brands by share of voice last year in advertising in each. So we looked at the top five share of voice on TV, the top five on radio, and the top five in podcasting. So you know, these brands, and it ended up being 13 because there's some overlap, were the brands that really tried to dominate share of voice. So it was sort of as apples to apples a comparison as we could make. And the results were actually pretty remarkable in terms of not just effectiveness of the advertising, but also how the audiences have changed. And, and that's really, I think, the most eye-opening thing about this work is just how much the audiences have changed in a, in a short period of time. 
That's very cool. Can you talk a little bit more about those changes in the audience? I feel like media in general, you know, shifts so quickly these days. So could you dig a little bit more into those changing audiences? There's an interesting thing happening with the podcasting audience and also the audience for broadcast radio and television kind of at the same time. And they're simultaneous phenomena, I guess. You know, number one, the podcast audience is growing. It's growing every year. And it's especially growing on the young end. And in fact, when you look at the reach, the percentage of Americans in each age group that podcasting reaches, podcasting reaches almost as many 18 to 34-year-olds as either radio or TV. And that was certainly not true even five years ago. People think of podcasting as an engagement medium, but especially on the young end, it's a medium of scale at this point. It's a reach medium. And also what's happened with the radio and television audiences are that they're getting much, much older. And so now when you look at the average age of the most active users of each of these three media platforms we're talking about, there's a full generation separating them. The average age of heavy users of television and radio are really the end of the boomers, the sort of late boomer generation. And the average age of the heaviest users of podcasting are millennials. Gen X gets skipped again, as they always do in these studies. But that's a full generation's difference. And then when you also look at how those audiences are pulling apart, it used to be that if you wanted to reach people who listen to podcasts, you could still reach them with radio and TV. That's increasingly less the case. So the circles of those audiences are pulling apart a little bit. About one in five podcast listeners did not watch TV last week, and another one in five did not listen to the radio last week. And this segment of humanity is affluent. They're receptive to advertising. They spend a lot of money, and they're increasingly, I think, a more valuable advertising target than the audiences for particularly broadcast radio and network and cable television. That's fascinating. And my condolences to the Gen Xers who got skipped over again. We're used to it at this point. <laughs> my older brothers would say the same thing. I'm right on the cusp of, of Gen X versus millennials. So <laughs> I, I tried to lean into the millennials and you know, at least be counted. So with this rise of podcasts, what are some of the unique benefits of this type of audio content? Why should more people be using it? It's funny because you know I, I think there's two ways of looking at the results of the study. And the results of the study show significant benefits for advertisers, especially in middle to lower funnel kinds of metrics like consideration and even purchase. And I think there's two things going on here simultaneously. Number one, there are some native qualities to podcasting itself that make it an attractive advertising environment. You know, we talk a lot about the engagement of podcasting, the sort of niche character of the content. So it's highly appealing to different groups of people who can't get that content anywhere else. And we also talk about the kind of connection between hosts and audience, especially as so much of it happens in earbuds, that kind of theater of the mind and, and intimacy and things like that. Uh, and those are things that are native to the medium, but they are not the sole reason why advertising is so effective on podcasting. There's demographic considerations as well. One thing that's very true in advertising research is that younger audiences are more positive about brands in general anyway. And that's, that's borne out in, in this particular survey. And so, you know, whether that's malleability or they, or they just haven't been ruined yet by exposure to this bitter jaded world, they tend to be more receptive, but also the podcast listener, number one, podcasts themselves are not ruined with ads, right? Compare the spot load on a podcast, an ad supported podcast with 
the number of spots you might hear on an AM FM commercial station. And it's, it's not even close, right? You might hear 18 or 20 spots on the radio station. You might hear four on a podcast. And second, the audience for podcasting, they are the most likely consumers to also be subscribing to advertising-free premium services, whether that's premium ad-free television or premium ad-free music, even listening to audiobooks. They're significantly more likely to do those things. So they're not hearing as many ads. They're not inundated with ads. They're not hearing as many insurance company ads and things like that that we're all plastered with in, in traditional media. So as a result of all of that, they are far more likely to to exhibit the benefits of, of good advertising, you know, to be more aware of the product, to be more favorable towards the brand, to be more open to consider purchasing the brand, and ultimately to actually sign on the line that is dotted and make those purchases. That's fascinating. So do you find that podcasts are more valuable for B2C companies, or is there space for B2B companies to also reach their target audiences, even if they aren't just millennials? It's easier for B2C companies, I, I will say that. For B2B companies, in some ways, the right podcast can be the best advertising vehicle imaginable, right? If you get that perfect match between the content and context of a particular podcast and product or service advertised, then it works really well, right? The synergies there, I think, are easier to see B2C. And, you know, if, for instance, if you're a motor oil, you have all kinds of automotive podcasts to advertise in and car repair podcasts and things like that, right? So there's that sort of obvious synergy. If you're selling a software as a service marketing platform, well, I'm sure there's a podcast out there for you somewhere. But I do think, though, that, that branded podcasts and companies doing their own podcasts are potentially very effective, but rarely are they done well. And there are some companies that do them really, really well that are partners of ours and they do a fantastic job. But if your company has an idea that they want to do a podcast, that's not an idea. I want to do a podcast is not an idea. The idea is what's the show? What is the show that you're going to put on? Who's the audience that you're going to appeal to? And why are they going to listen to this instead of listening to something else? You know, so it has to have an entertainment value. It can't just be our vice president of product marketing wants to talk about marketing software. Yeah, great show. So you have to do better, I think. Uh, but if you do, if you can cross that chasm and you can make a branded show that is relevant to the people that consume the types of products and services you're offering from a B2B perspective without it being necessarily about product, then you have enormous engagement possibilities. So based on that, based on your experience and what you're saying, in addition to crossing this chasm, right, of, okay, I've made this both entertaining and also something that actually is in alignment with our brand and talks about our brand. How else should brands think about using podcasts? Podcasts are a natural fit for some brands, I think, that have a story to tell and that people are curious about. And there are brands like that, right? And those are sort of easy fits. And one of the examples I can think of, and, and one of the best branded podcasts out there is from Trader Joe's. And Trader Joe's, if you've ever shopped in a Trader Joe's, it's a surreal experience. It's almost, you, you wonder, have I shopped into the dispensary for a cult of some kind, right? And it, it, people are really, really curious and passionate about Trader Joe's. So they're a natural for a podcast because people have questions. People have questions like, is everybody really that friendly? What happens when the doors are locked in a Trader Joe's? You know, people have all kinds of questions. And so 
you know, when you have a brand that people are naturally curious about or a brand that has a, a compelling story to tell, then I think that's sort of naturally intriguing to people. And the other thing I think a brand can do with podcasting is it can, it can potentially change people's minds or change people's opinions about the brand. And the, the thing about spot advertising on radio, TV, or, or anywhere else, spot advertising, I think, does a good job at changing people's minds about a product or at least making them aware of a product and the features and benefits. But when a brand brings to you a compelling piece of content, whether it's about that brand or not, but they are just bringing it to you and making it possible and people are passionate about it, that has an additional effect of changing people's minds about the people behind the company. A project I worked on a few years ago was a branded podcast that Ford Motor Company sponsored, and, and Ford was barely mentioned in it, but it was about initiatives to encourage STEM and at STEAM, I think they threw the arts in there, STEM education for girls in school. And it was a four or five part series. And what it did was it didn't sell Ford trucks to that audience, but it absolutely changed people's hearts and minds a little bit about who Ford cares about, because they did in fact make this content available and, and mothers and daughters listen to it. So I, you know, I think when you can find those kinds of, of synergies that are congruent to, with your brand and congruent with how people see your brand and make sense and are of themselves and entertainment, then they can be enormously powerful. That's a great example. I actually know that forward example. <laughs> well, yes. So you mentioned, you know, the steam and the arts. I, I believe I'm correct in saying that you've taught rhetoric. I did. Yeah. So when I got an English degree at Tufts uh, years ago and then took a graduate assistantship at Penn State in English, and I taught the freshman rhetoric and composition for a couple of years while I was doing my graduate work. So I taught 18-year-olds how to argue as if they needed that. <laughs> I love that. So I have a background in the arts as well with drama, theater, musical theater. And one of the big pieces that in my current role that I look at is really this art of storytelling, right? And, and really infusing storytelling. And I think that's somewhat what you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly with the podcast, is like, you have to have a good story. It can't just be we want to talk about this product. So given the fact that you've spent some time thinking about rhetoric, teaching it, how important is rhetoric? How important is storytelling to business? One of the foundational concepts of rhetoric, and it's something I talk about all the time, even though ostensibly I'm a data person, there's a foundational tenet of rhetoric called the known new contract. And it comes from Aristotle on down. And that is, you know, any story ultimately is an argument. I think any story is an argument. It's meant to transport somebody from one point of view to another point of view and inherent in that embedded in it is an argument. And when you're making an argument like that, this concept of the known new contract basically stipulates that if you start somebody on familiar ground that they agree with, then you can introduce something new that they will be more receptive to. And I think a lot of business storytelling goes wrong there because it doesn't start where the audience is. It starts where the product is, or it starts where the brand is, or it starts in the, the why of the company. Nobody really cares about the why of the company. I, Ted talks to the contrary. I really disbelieve that, right? But if you start from sure ground, then you can make bigger leaps, I think. And I think that's true in, in podcasting as well. You have to start with something that is secure and known, but then introduce something new and novel that provides the intrigue, right? 
So new, novel, and and sort of worth it. So I think when podcasts go wrong, they're either not introducing something new and novel, or they're doing it in the wrong order, I think, and they just sort of lose people from the get-go. And that's, I think, doubly important when you're trying to do a branded podcast or, or a business-focused podcast, because I think you have very little margin for error there to actually get people to come back and listen to it over and over. That's fair. It seems like there is a lot of up and down in podcasts and, and really in the loyalty of audiences in a lot of different types of content. So sort of pivoting to, to that idea, you've been, as you said, in the development of audio content for a long time. You've looked at podcasts for 19 plus years. Its popularity has gone up and down and up and who knows where it's going to continue going. What do you have to say to people who may be listening to this when it comes to following your passion, regardless of what perhaps a, a market or a particular trend of the day is saying? I would say to manage your expectations. You know, on the one hand, I'm not going to tell someone to not follow their passion. But the biggest advice I can, I can give you is that despite how many podcasts there are, there aren't that many really popular podcasts. And no one is entitled to an audience. No one deserves an audience. And the universe is littered with people who are, who are passionate about something and, and it just didn't work, right? I have a drawer full of mini discs that prove that. Uh, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and I think that's something that is very true in podcasting. And, and people will often put the cart before the horse in podcasting and say, how, how do I monetize? How do I monetize? How do I make some money from this? I look at their audience and I look at their show and there's nothing there, right? There's not an audience for it. The show itself isn't that good. You know, they don't necessarily deserve it. So if your goal is to get your voice on tape or, or bits and put something out there to the universe, who am I to stop you? But following your passion in podcasting doesn't guarantee you an audience. So it's one thing to say, I want to put something out. It's another to say, I, you know, I need to make money or I want to make money. The only way to monetize podcasting is to put something out that an audience desires and that an audience will take the time out of their day in place of something else to listen to. And that turns out to be a very difficult thing. But if you master it, you get a deeper relationship with an audience, a deeper relationship with a, a listener and potentially a consumer than almost any other kind of medium can guarantee you. So if someone says, I still want to do this, but I want to know, how do I do what you just said? How do I master that medium so that, sure, I can't monetize today, but I can get better at it and actually earn that audience? What is the advice that you would give? There's two things you can know about doing a podcast. There's two basic categories of knowledge, right? You can master your craft how to use a microphone, how to conduct an interview, how to use audio editing software, all of that stuff. That's one bucket. The other bucket is you can master the knowledge of an audience. And everybody in podcasting generally spends all their time in bucket one and none in bucket two, because bucket two seems difficult or, or unapproachable. But I guarantee you that that is where the riches lie. And the important advice that I would give you is to understand exactly who you are for. Who are you for? And who are those people, you know, to, to sort of quote James Joyce here, who are they when they're at home? You know, what other media do they consume? What are their other activities? What, what makes them human? Because what they're going to be interested in, yeah, maybe they're going to be interested in, in things about your product or, or service, but not for long, unless you're appealing to them in some other more specific way 
that really touches them as who they are as people. So number one advice I always give is talk to audiences early and often, find out who they are when they're at home, find out what the elements are of, you know, if you have a show, what are the elements of, of your show that they cling to? And they may not be the ones that, that you think are the central parts of the show, right? How would they describe your show to a friend? Would they describe your show to a friend? In those answers really lie the gold there into making something that people care about because it's more than, I think, just top of mind awareness in podcasting. It's, it's top of mind preference. It's making people seek out your show week after week and decide, not only am I going to listen to it, I'm going to make it a habit. You know, I can't wait for it to come out on Friday. I'm going to listen to it when I walk my dog or whatever. And that listen to it when you walk your dog is another part of understanding an audience. When do they consume your show? What's the circumstance? What's the context? What can you do to remind people of that, to reflect on that and reinforce it, right? What is the context of listening? So it all starts from the human and the human behavior and not from your concept of the show. The show is a thing that you use to deliver to that audience, but winning in podcasting is understanding that audience better than the next person. That's a good quote. I feel like that's a, that's a mic drop quote. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. I, I can't drop this mic costs too much money. No, to don't, drop. don't drop the mic. Don't actually drop that mic. That's a beautiful mic. I'll drop my cheap mic. <laughs> so I'm curious then, uh, given the fact that this is a debate we actually have internally, you know, you talk about streaming, you talk about podcasts, you mentioned, I can't wait. You want an audience to be like, I can't wait for this to come out on Friday. So can you talk to me a little bit about this consistency? I mean, in publishing and sort of building that cadence? Because is it really that important in a world where things are on demand and more people are just pulling it on demand? Is it important to still publish at the same time, same day? I think it is. And I, I, you know, I don't think you should publish any more than you can sustain. And I know very successful podcasts that publish once a month. One of the most successful indie podcasts is a podcast called Hardcore History. And every episode of that podcast is about seven hours long and dives into the Roman Empire or, or something like that. And people just eat it up. It's a hugely successful podcast. And it comes out like twice a year, right? Because they're thoroughly researched and people wait for it. I do think it's important to know that in podcasting, the podcast by itself is not enough. And I, I think some of the most successful podcasts, I listen to a lot of audio fiction podcasts and they can't sustain a regular output every single week. Some of them are biweekly. Some of them take some time off and things like that, but they maintain communities. They maintain communities of, of the people that are most passionate to kind of rekindle the fire, whether that's on discord or, or on, on their own website. Those communities I think are important. They provide an outlet for people. And if you have that, that's an enormous gift. And the other thing I, I would suggest, you know, for a business podcast, especially is that, you know, the show might take a break. But that doesn't mean that your feed has to take a break. And your feed is one of the most important things you can have in podcasting. That's what people subscribe to. That's the thing that they check for new content each week. That's the thing that sort of pings, blah, 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 has dropped a new show, whether you're following the show on, on Spotify or uh, subscribing to it in Apple Podcasts. And what I think that gives you an opportunity to do is keep the feed warm. And even if you want to take a few months off, you know, find a, a kindred soul podcast and do a feed swap and put some of their shows in your feed that you think your audience would also enjoy and then have them do the same for you because TV takes a break. Everybody takes a break. And, you know, people do have this 
you know, unreasonable expectation that there's always going to be a new episode of my favorite podcast every single week. And that's really hard to do. But if you can find ways to cultivate that community and, you know, keep the feed warm, even if you take a break, then I think that's going to help you out. That's a really great point, actually, about keeping the feed warm. And I feel like that's a place where, where certainly I know we couldn't do better. A little bit of a curveball question, but I'm just curious about your thoughts on AI and podcasting and things like ChatGPT creating podcasting material or even, I don't know, taking over podcasts. Who knows? What are your thoughts on how AI is going to fit into this picture? It's interesting, especially as someone who works with a lot of creative people, you might think that I'm completely anti-AI. I'm not. I use it all the time. I'm, I'm writing a book and I'm using AI to, to help me organize parts of it. But it's organizing my original ideas. It's working with what I am feeding it. It's only as good as what you're feeding it. And I think, especially with things like chat GPT, they're not really AI. We talk about them as AI. They're predictive engines that regurgitate previous writings and things. And so they're not actually generating something new and novel but they're very good at helping you take your own new and novel things and repurpose them, reuse them, reorganize them. So I think if you're a creative professional and you're good at that, AI can be an enormous tool for you. If you are not particularly creative, I don't think AI is going to save you, but I do think what AI can do and why I'm, I'm kind of bullish on it as, again, as a former grader of freshman papers is that not many people write well, and I think we can raise the bar on writing better as a society with AI, and that's going to help communication, and that's going to help all of us, honestly. So I'm bullish on AI. I'm not so bullish that it's going to replace creative professionals, but it can be the best virtual assistant a creative professional can have. And we've always used virtual assistants of some kind, right? I mean, who hasn't in the writing field had a, had a thesaurus next to them, right? I mean, that's kind of, it's, a, it's an aid, it's an assistant, it's all in how you use it. Absolutely. And here, here to, you know, everyone writing better. <laughs> totally agree. Tom, any closing thoughts for the audience? Anything else that uh, I didn't ask you, but perhaps you want to make sure you share on podcasting and how it feeds into business? Ultimately, when you think about podcasting, if you've had an opinion about it or you've thought about it from its early days and, and origins and, you know, sort of a band of pirates putting out all kinds of, of wacky content and, and things like that, you can still find that. But ultimately, to me, podcasting is a way to make niche content available in an economically viable way, right? So that, and that's what people are really, really passionate about. And it also enables a behavior that's universal, I think, that we all have. And that is the desire to listen to exactly what we want wherever and whenever we want to. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's grown so fast, 18 to 34. You know, the concept to a teenager, I own and operate a teenager myself. And, you know, the thought that he would have to wait until 3.15 to hear his favorite song on the radio or wait to see his favorite show till 9 p.m. tonight, those are not things he has grown up with. And podcasting enables that. And I think it represents an explosion in the universe of, of great content that people can consume in places that maybe they, or they're not already consuming content in contexts that they're not already consuming it. So ultimately, it's a universal behavior. There is a podcast for everybody. Sometimes it can be hard to find it, but they're out there and they're all worth it. I thoroughly believe that there's a podcast for everybody. And that's what makes me so bullish about the medium. 
That was fantastic. And a second proverbial mic drop moment. Thank you, Tom, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. I know I've learned a ton. I hope that the listeners have too. This has been the Business Schooled podcast where we discuss emerging trends and topics in business. Thanks for joining. Mm-hmm.